Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, Health, Medicine, and Bioscience Edition. I have Hain Min Tun. Uh, he's a public health veterinarian. I uh, received a PhD from University of Hong Kong. He went to Canada to pursue postdoc research at the Gut Microbiome Laboratory at University of Manitoba. He's a lab manager there as well. Uh, he worked there, looked at uh, microbiome and resistome research in food animals, human and the environment. Then he joined the Symbiota research team at Department of Pediatrics and the University of Alberta to study uh, infant gut microbiome and its health interest there. So we're going to talk about his current work. So, uh, Hayden, thanks for coming. How are you doing? Uh, I'm fine, yeah. Thanks for having me, yeah. Oh, good. Where are you now and what are you working on at this moment? So I'm currently at the uh, School of Public Health at the University of Hong Kong, and I'm also jointly affiliated to the Hong Kong U Institute Pasteur uh, as a research assistant professor. I'm leading a research team here at the and what's the uh, the focus of your current research? Is it microbiome related or is it different? So yeah, I'm uh, leading on the uh, uh, many microbiome re- uh, research program and also antimicrobial resistant research. Yeah, uh, both. So both okay. uh, both of like uh, microbiome and also antimicrobial resistant research are quite uh, interrelated each other too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, h- how do microbes appear to uh, become resistant to uh, medicines? Is the mechanism, you know, are there various mechanisms that are understood? Uh, sure, like, you know, as like um, human being, like microbes also try to live in this world, you know. So they try to uh, change their genetic material uh, if they, uh, for, from the like attack from the like, antibiotics. So that's why they, they're trying to do, you know, uh, resistant to the antibiotics in different ways. So uh, changing their genetic material, trying to escape from the uh, different mechanisms of the uh, antibiotics when the, uh, the uh, I mean, antibodies are trying to attack the uh, metabolism. So they try to, to, to resist them. Yeah. Well, again, how does a microbe become resistant to a drug? Is, what are the what are some of the mechanisms that have been observed? So, of uh, antibody resistance is this like uh, especially the a kind of evolution of the bacteria. So they have a, a kind of certain uh, type of the mechanisms that is uh, trying to uh, to change their the genetic like. Uh, uh, structure are uh, trying to escape from the the recognition of the different antibiotics. For example, like some antibiotics are targeted to the the uh, uh, different structure of the bacteria, but they try to change the genetic material to change the the recognitions from the different uh, antibiotics. Yeah. Okay. So what what are you trying to figure out? How to stop them from becoming resistant, or you know, uh, a drug or an interaction that will overcome any resistance? Like what's, what's the thought process there? So now uh, my research area is, is not trying to do uh, very basic science. I'm trying to answer the questions how the microbial community changes is this related to resistance. 
uh, antimicrobial resistance, especially the gut microbiome. So how the changes in the gut microbiome, how the dysbiosis in the gut microbiome is causing uh, our colonization resistance you know, changing our colonization resistance against two different uh, antibody resistant bacteria. So uh, we have a, a lot of resistant bacteria, you know, in our gut, but our level of the resistant, uh, I mean, bacteria is different uh, among the uh, different in individual. So, and we also hypothesize that probably that is related to our gut microbiome, you know, the community structure in our guts. So we, that's why we want to try to understand how the gut microbiome interrelated with the resistone noble in our gut. Okay, again, are there any specific mechanisms that you've observed by how resistance arises or, you know, what are the, some of the dynamics of it? In order to figure it so out, in I, our, I think we'd have to understand sure. that. Sure. In our uh, in our kind of uh, uh, preliminary finding, we found that uh, re uh, reducing the diversity in the our gut microbiome is is uh, one of the factors that is causing the colonization by the different type of the resistant bacteria, such as like ESBL bacteria, extended spectra beta latamis producing bacteria. So, uh, so that's why we think like the disruption of the our gut microbiome changing our uh, our gut uh, e ecosystem and also that is impacting our host defense host immunity that is causing the uh, our colonization you know resistant against the different like uh, resistant bacteria so uh, one of uh, our interesting finding is this like uh, uh, in reducing the like diversity especially among the butyrate producer uh, in our gut that is uh, causing uh, 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 colonization, reducing colonization resistance against the ESBL bacteria. Our, our hypothesis is really a, uh, pr reducing the level of the butyrate will be also causing the uh, uh, reducing the level of the butyrate in our gut and that is causing our uh, you know uh, uh, the level of the like, butyrate level in the our fecal, I mean, our, in the, our gut that is causing our uh, epithelium system change in the in the area. So that is causing uh, a colonization resistance. Actually, this is very early kind of concept that uh, we need to do more mechanistic study in this finding. When you say uh, diversity is reduced, is that diversity mm -hmm. of function to create a certain metabolite or is it? Just diversity of strains, and if so, is it strains that are closed, so, or is it, are they more taxologically different? So the first uh, information we found is the overall diversity reduced. So the overall diversity reduced is, is not always good for the microbiome. In most of the study, you can see there's a uh, many. Re I mean, microbiome research has been reported that uh, the reducing the diversity is correlated to certain. I mean, different type of disease. But also for the antimicrobial resistance, also we found quite similar phenomena. Uh, reducing the diversity, overall diversity, is a, is a problem. But in when we are looking at very detailed level, we found that the reducing level of the butyrate producer in the gut it is, uh, is, a, uh, is correlated to the colonization of the resistant bacteria. So uh, we don't un understand how the butyrate is it 
uh, we know the butraces, you know, uh, providing the energy for our uh, colonial uh, site, you know, this uh, epithelial cell in the, our colon. But we don't know why that is, uh, you know, uh, I mean, causing the colonization resistance. I mean, uh, I mean, changes in the colonization system. We need to do more uh, research on that. All right. So, in particular, into the dynamics of the microbiome itself, at least the gut microbiome. Have you figured mm-hmm. out uh, any particulars? You know, any functions that so, are critical to you know human or mouse life? Or I mean, what what has been figured out instead of this general? Okay, well, there's a microbiome, and we're studying. Like, what are some of the particulars you're looking at figuring out so the, another you know big project that i'm working on it is the uh we try to understand what is healthy microbiome so when you are going to ask the this question this is kind of million dollar question if you go and ask the, every microbiome researcher definitely they cannot answer on that so healthy microbiome is this the i think everybody aim to understand what is healthy microbiome is so this is also uh, one of the objectives for our my research group too. We're trying to uh, understand what is healthy microbiome, but uh, we are using the kind of uh, uh, different approach from other groups. So we're trying to look on the very early life microbiome development. That is trying to understand how we successfully, I mean, uh, we inherited our microbiome from the, uh, the mother and also how that developed in the, our, the first three years of life. And that is, you know, also reflect to our uh, healthy gut microbiome. So we, we are do, trying to understand so many things, how different type of, you know, factor, uh, you know, uh, uh, is influencing on the, our uh, microbiome development in early life and uh, how that is also contributing to the our healthy gut microbiome. So that is one of the uh, area that we are, we are working on. Well, if there's a lot of factors. Which factors are you starting out with to elucidate? There's so many, you know. Of course. So we are, we are, we, are, uh, we, we have, I mean, I work with the uh, Canadian Health World Cohort Study, and we try to look at in different factors, like, uh, for example, like how the uh, maternal factor, like maternal obesity, maternal uh, diabetes, that is in, uh, impact on the, the baby microbiome development. And also we are looking at the uh, different environmental factor, like pet exposure, you know, how that impact on our gut, mi- uh, gut microbiome development in the early life, and also exposures to different disinfectants or like different chemical exposure, how that is impact on our gut microbiome. So we, we, we look at like several exposome, you know, that is impact on the, our gut microbiome development in the early life, especially the first three years of life, yeah. So what, are you using a mouse model or what kind of uh, model are you, you know, using? We are, we, are lo- we, are, we are looking at the uh, human sample, especially the population-based sample. So we, we know that like the mouse model is not the best model for gut microbiome study. Uh, of course, we, we, we are limited to use for that. Um, but uh, we, uh, my research is mostly look on the uh, population data. So uh, we, we work with the, like different uh, bird cohort. So one is the Canadian bird cohort, and also we are, we are now working with the Chinese bird cohort study. Try to understand how the microbiome development in the, in the, in the uh, population data. And of course, you know, in population data, not always clean, as clean as like mouse data, because mouse is 
you, you are doing in the lab and then you have a lot of confined environments, but population data, you cannot do that. So, but of course we are using different like uh, uh, statistical approach and also uh, machine learning approach, trying to understand how the dynamic of the microbiome development in the early life uh, in different uh, populations acting. And then that way we try to understand how the healthy microbiome should be looked like. So what have you noticed in the microbiome of, you know, uh, you're starting at what, one years old or earlier? Like, what does it look like in the early lifetime? Uh, we recruited the uh, mother at, the, at that trimester of the pregnancy, and we tried to follow that the ante that uh, three years of the baby. Yeah. So it is kind okay. of longitudinal cohort study. Yeah. How often is the sampling, and is it just, you know, so we or? Yeah. Sure. So we try to, like, in different cohorts, uh, I mean, we have a kind of a little bit of different uh, uh, sampling strategy. So for the Canadian cohort, we try to uh, look at the uh, fecal sample at the three-month-old and also one-year-old. But for the Chinese cohort, we could, uh, because we set up the cohort later on, so that's why we have a kind of chance to collect more samples. So we collect the like um, meconium sample. We also have a kind of a week old sample, a month, and also three months, six months, and one year, uh, and also three year old sample. So we have kind of more sampling time point for the Chinese vertical hall. Uh, so we try to look at in different like uh, window time, window time uh, in order to like look at for different like correlated with the different factor. So how different uh, exposures impact in, you know, which time points. So that is more, uh, to try to understand, you know, the, the development of the microbiome as well as the, we also look at the uh, development of our immune system too. We measure the uh, starting immune uh, marker like uh, secretory IgA in the fecal cell and also some metabolite sample. So we try, uh, I mean, we try to understand a more system approach to look at the, the microbiome development in the early life. Uh, that way we could try, uh, try to understand and the question of what is how the microbiome look like. Okay, so what have you seen in these longitudinal studies? Less diversity, so, yeah. a completely different set of microbes? Like what, what have you seen? Of course, like uh, we uh, we we found uh, very interesting uh, things. Like uh, we try to look at the trajectory, like development, uh, microbiome development trajectory in early life. Uh, there is this like uh, different type of the microbiome developmental trajectory uh, among the our study infants. Uh, uh, like let's say we could find like four different type of trajectory, but among four different trajectory. Uh, we only found one trajectory is is, is kind of uh, related to the like uh, sat, uh, some of the outcome like the allergic disease like food sensitization, but not other trajectory. So it means that even you may have a different trajectory, uh, but doesn't it doesn't mean that that your microbiome is not. I mean, not wrong, you know, not really, a, I mean, in the wrong way of the, the, the development. So, but that we try to understand that, you know, or how to interpret on the, the developmental trajectory of the microbiome in connection with the different disease outcome. So probably some uh, uh, microbiome development tra trajectory may be associated to some certain disease, but not for other disease. So that is also very I mean, uh, I mean, clear that, you know, uh, we know that certain uh, microbial taxa, that is a, 
kind of risk for the certain type of disease like like allergic disease and asthma, but not for the obesity. But obesity is a different way of the like uh, microbial influencing factor. So we we try to look at, uh, look at the different trajectory associated to different outcome. Okay, is there any generalities you could see in you know babies and young humans that? You know, what does the trajectory look like? What does that mean? It's just so generally, uh, generally, like uh, uh, we have a very, I mean, uh, low diversity in our early life compared to adult microbiome, of course. But uh, baby were born mostly by the, uh, you know, mo- mo- most of the bacteria in our uh, pr- early life is, is the proteobacteria. So that proteobacteria. Uh, uh, is this like decreasing? The abundance is decreasing, you know, from time to time. But at the same time, the bacteriorides and pharmacutes uh, should be taking up the, you know, uh, the, 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 our microbiota, you know, and uh, uh, look like to become look like a kind of adult like microbiome. And we, uh, we also found that bacteriorides play a, a huge role in the in the developmental trajectory we we look at that uh, some of the uh, depletion of the bacteriorides in early life is associated with uh, many uh, disease outcome like food sensitization and also delayed neural development so uh, that's why we think like uh, have i mean the bacteriorides is, is a play a significant role in in our uh, early life but uh, uh, you can we can also look at wh- why the you know uh, we have a lower uh, bacteriorides in the early life because those kids who are born by the you know c-section they have a lower bacteriorides uh, those kids who are fed by the formula they are also lower in bacteriorides and that's why in epidemiological study we found that we also found that you know like c-section formula feeding that is also associated to uh, the same disease outcome so Oh, that now microbiome uh, is this explaining why why the epidemiological you know uh, evidence are valid because microbiome play as a kind of mediation role in this kind of uh, association. So oh, we I thought we, we thought that like you know having like I mean uh, kind of uh, bacteriorides is in the early life is much better than you know uh, without having uh, the bacteriorides. So it's really important. I mean that will also be a kind of uh, room for the like intervention study in the future like if whether if we give more bacteriorides you know for the baby uh, we can be used as a kind of probiotic in future all right um did you look at only c-section babies and or did you look at vaginal versus c-section and then breastfed versus not breastfed like what were the main we, we, uh, divisions so we look at in the population data, this is kind of general population data. We are not discriminated to only C-section and the vaginal uh, born, born baby. So we recruit as all baby. So of course, in our, uh, in our data, we is included like both vaginally delivered baby, C-session delivered baby, as well as the breastfed baby and also formula fed baby. So we try to, you know, uh, answer this complex you know question in the in the population data not like the 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 mice model we you know just only uh test on like two factor or one factor but we have we are trying to understand the multiple factor how they are connected each other so of course in our uh cohort we have a, a different type of baby, you know, who have breastfed or like formula fat or, or like C-session baby or the vaginally born. Okay, so did you see a very big difference between uh, vaginal versus cesarean? 
and and you know. so we we uh that's what i mentioned now like because like we we found that there is a significant differences between the vaginal born baby and uh, and also uh the c-section baby of course c-section baby have a like totally almost quite, uh, you know different from the vaginal born baby and their developmental trajectories are different uh but how uh, However, like maybe breastfeeding can compensate that, you know, uh, kind of differences, but uh, it cannot be completely uh, uh, compensated, you know, that based on our finding, you know, if you are born by the C-session, of course, you will be, you will have a different microbiome, you know, at the beginning, but uh, breastfeeding can compensate in, in, in some level, but not. Uh, totally. So that's why uh, we, we, we are trying to look at, you know, what other factor can, uh, can stay compensate for the so C-session baby. Okay. Um, are you seeing a, a, a dramatic difference or is it more of a slight difference in the two? So the the, the difference is, uh, for the C C session uh, is early life is as much more earlier time is as much more significant but compared to the later time point. But of course, uh, later time point probably they can be compensated by the other you know uh, nutritional factor like the different solid food introductions and also other uh, environmental exposure that probably that still have some compensatory effect. Um, that we, we could see more in the in the early life. But uh, we also found that that uh, differences in early life is associated to the, the disease outcome. Oh, what kind of diseases seem to affect uh, cesarean section babies and you know non-breast? Okay, so we so we are looking at in the uh, alleged uh, disease and asthma. So mostly on that, we also find the uh, uh, C-section baby have more likely to become overweight. And that, that is a very I mean, interesting story we found. So even though like the, uh, 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 if the mother is an uh, obese mother, they are, their risk is even double to become overweight. Hmm, okay. So what's, uh, I mean, is there any way to, you know, once a baby is born by C-section, is there any way to modulate mm-hmm. its microbiome to go back to a healthier state or not really? Uh, no, actually, you know, I mean, there there is like so that that is what I mentioned before. So if the baby are born by the C-section, like if we cannot avoid it, so probably we should try to breastfeed to those baby. Uh, you know, at least like exclusively breastfeed for six months, and then we also try to. Uh, make those baby to expose to more you know uh, uh, nature environments and you know that is we also found in our study that if baby are living in the more nature or related environment or green space environment they are more likely to have exposed to more microbe and that is also a kind of i mean compensatory factor for for their uh, microbiome development so and also uh, based on my research uh, published in 2017, uh, those like C-section mom babies should have a pet for sure. So to make sure that they can expose to more microbe, you know, uh, and and train their immune system in a more like balanced way, that um, they are they will be more much more similar to the vaginally born. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. uh, but again, if a baby is born C-section, you can you know breastfeeding will help. Is there anything else that can be done? Yeah, I've heard about uh, vaginal swabs. Maybe a way to uh, mm-hmm. you know to make sure that they're so, yeah. So 
So there is this uh, research by the uh, Maria uh, Dominguez Bello from the New York University. She she is trying to answer that question. So and some of the uh, study they also find that like vaginal seeding is this the uh, one of the way to you know compensate the um, uh, missing microbes in those uh, C-section baby. Uh, but uh, we have to be very cautious when we are doing the vaginal seeding. I mean I mean vaginal swap swap swapping for those C-section baby because uh, they can also, you know, transfer some undesirable microbe, you know, like all pathogenic microbe from the, from the, those vaginal swab to the baby. So we have to be very cautious about that. And how, I mean, standardization of those methods also should be also or pay attention on that too. You know, there is just not much standardization for that kind of method too. So we we need more research on that area in order to 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 apply that in the real situations. Yeah. Okay. So, and what do you think is uh, is going to be possible over the next few years? Any breakthroughs coming? So for the uh, my research group, we are trying to understand the uh, uh, the what is the healthy microbiome, but, but using this kind of uh, early life. So we probably in the next few years we trying to understand. We, we were more understanding on the what healthy microbiome look like. Not only by looking at our uh, different vertical hall, we also trying to. Uh, do the meta-analysis from diff- different bird cohort study across the world. So we're trying to collaborate with different other collaborators from uh, from the European uh, partner and also other uh, North American partner to try to, uh, you know, find any consistent finding across the different populations. So that we definitely will understand more on the uh, healthy profile, how healthy might look like. And another area that we, we definitely uh, uh, could uh, contribute to the field is, is like the neurodevelopment. So we're trying to understand how the uh, gut microbiota, you know, impact on the uh, our, the neurodevelopment of the baby and also the mental health. So probably we could also see some uh, exciting uh, new how our gut microbiota uh, can also, uh, you know, impact on the our mental health and behavior and, and also neurodevelopment. Then that would also be interesting. Okay, well, very good. Hein, what's, what's the best way for listeners to find out more about your work? So probably definitely uh, try to follow at my publications and also try to follow in my uh, website. And probably we will try to um, uh, disseminate all the our uh, research finding in, in the our website, you know. Uh, so probably they could follow, follow out on that. Okay, well, very good. Hein, thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Thank you for, for the time. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. 